Well, good morning, folks, and welcome to Redeemer this morning. Thank you for being here on this first Sunday in the new year as we worship God together. I want to invite you to hear the words of Psalm 27, uh, just one verse, verse 4. The one thing I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek most, is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in his temple. It was King David who wrote these, these words in the psalm, and he knew that his protection from all of life's enemies came from the Lord himself. And before he could expect God to grant what he was asking in his prayers, he needed to be faithful in his obedience to God. And worship was where it all began for David. And so it is for us as we begin this new year together. Will you bow with me in a moment of prayer? Holy God, mold our worship uh, with you today in your tender hands so that the words of our mouths and the whispers of our heart may find their way to you. So shape our celebration of worship with your gracious touch that our prayers may find a home with you and our songs will bring you joy. Form this service and our lives into an acceptable offering of thanksgiving and praise. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you know, you and I both know that this is the season when many folks make New Year's resolutions. Uh, maybe you've already done that. Typically, New Year's resolutions are filled with promises of what we're going to do or not going to do. And you may have a good track record for keeping those resolutions. Most people don't. But this year, uh, maybe you're saying things are going to be different. But, you know, more often than not, uh, New Year's resolutions are I kind of things. I want to lose weight. I want to be a better friend. I want to change. I want to be a better spouse. I'm going to spend more time with my family. I want to read the Bible more. I want to pray more. But you know what? For the Christian, uh, it's not the way it works. It's not the, what I want. It is what God wants. And our desire should be to please God by accomplishing God's plan for our life in 2019. And maybe our prayer ought to be, God, show me how you would like me to live uh, this year. God, teach me how to be a generous person. God, let me be a better friend. Let me fulfill your purpose for my life. Today, we're beginning a new uh, four-week series of messages entitled Shaping the Future. And instead of talking about the typical New Year's resolutions, we're going to be talking about how we make decisions and we're faced with decision-making every day. Some of those decisions are small ones, they're no-brainer kind of decisions, but some decisions we have to make are larger, more complex. So how do we as people of faith make decisions that are God-honoring and lead to putting God first in our life? So I hope you'll be here for this series. Uh, each one builds a little bit on the other. Uh, the next one, and if you can't be here all the weeks, we do have a podcast it's on our website, our Redeemer app. You can listen to the message if you missed one. We also have them in print copies uh, available out in the lobby. We're going to share Holy Communion together this morning. We're going to sing some more. And I hope that in the process of all of this day in worship, that you will truly open your hearts and minds to the God who is here. Pray with me. Sovereign God, you visited this planet in the person of Jesus of Nazareth. So renew us, renew within us today the sense of your presence even now. We give thanks for your love and grace that is extended to us so freely. 
We're grateful for your merciful provision for all of our needs. We join together on the edge of this new year to worship you, to celebrate Holy Communion, remembering that you have entered into a covenant with us. And as we receive the gift of Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, our lives will never be the same. So help us to live fully into these moments today as we worship you. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. How do you make decisions in your life? I mean big decisions. Decisions about marriage or about college, about whether or not you should take that next job offer. Maybe you pray about those big decisions in your family or your life. Maybe you're the person who flips a coin and uh, on which option to choose. Hopefully none of you here has ever asked the magic eight ball a question and took the answer seriously. However, I do know people who have opened the Bible and pointed to a verse of scripture and then tried to use that verse to guide their life. While I've never seriously thought that was the right thing for me to do, I've known people who have done that. Also knew a guy who opened the phone book once. Remember when we had phone books? To the section, the back section on churches. And he closed his eyes and he pointed to a church and said, that's the church God wants me to attend and be part of. And the problem was his finger landed on a church that was not a Christian church and he was a Christ follower, but he was convinced that that's where God wanted him to be. All of his friends tried to talk him out of it, but he, he went and while the experience was interesting, it didn't, he didn't get much out of his time there except a great story. Now decision-making, uh, we realize, is difficult. Seems like it should get easier as we go through life because, you know, we get a lot of experience making decisions. But let's face it, it doesn't necessarily get easier as time goes on. Should I go out for football or basketball or band or all three? What classes should I take to get ready for college? Should I even go to college? What college should I go to? What will be my major? What do I want to do when I grow up? Some of us are still asking that question. Should I date? Why should I, or who should I date? I think I love her. Should we get married? Should we have children? Should we push our children into sports or music? Should we buy a house? Should we keep renting? Should we buy a new car? Which car? Should I stay in my job or find a new job? Should I retire? What do I do when I retire? See, decision-making never gets easier. In fact, in some ways, it keeps getting harder because there are simply more choices out there. When I, when I graduated from high school, it was my perception there was only three basic options. You went to college, you joined the military, or you got a job. Now, that was about it. Today's high school students have those three choices, but they also have uh, lots more. They can take a gap year. They can enter a program that's going to explore other kinds of options for them. They can take classes and travel. You know, the choices are endless. Some actually start their own business, choose to become a YouTube star or a gamer, or maybe start a small internet company. Today, there are simply more choices, so decision-making oftentimes is more difficult and complex. In our modern society, this struggle actually has a name. It's called decision fatigue. 
Decision fatigue is when a person has a difficult time making any decision because there's just too many options out there. You see, the decisions we make are important because who we will be tomorrow is the result of the decisions that we make today. Do you hear me? The decisions we make are important because who we will be tomorrow is the result of the decisions we make today. And we know that's true because we, who we are today is the result of the decisions that we made yesterday and the day before and the day before. Some of our decisions have been good, others not so good, but all of them have shaped who we are today. So good decision-making is important. There are times when many of us look for God's direction in our life. Am I doing what God wants me to do? Is this the direction God has for my life? Is this the decision I need to make in this situation in order to be faithful to God? See, one of the questions I'm often asked is, how do I know what God wants me to do with my life? I have asked that question myself a lot over the years, so over the next few weeks, we're going to try and build a foundation on which we can stand in order to answer that question. And while the direction of God that we want is usually connected to the details of a situation, such as, do I take this job or do I marry this person, what we're going to learn and put into place is this. How do I become the right person in order to make the right decision? That's the key question. How do I become the right person in order to make the right decisions? And here's our first key principle that we have to understand, and that is that God cares more about who we are than what we do. I believe that the secret to contentment in life is not in what we have. All the stuff that we can purchase, all the stuff that we can surround ourselves with, all the stuff that we have is not going to lead to contentment, but it's in what we do. And who we are is even more important than what we do. So let me say that another way. What we do is important in life more important than what we have. But who we are is more important than what we do. Too often we get overwhelmed in all the daily decisions that we have to make, and then we get stressed out over some of the big decisions that face us. And we start thinking that every decision is do or die, make it or break it. We start thinking that everything's gonna fall apart if we don't do the right thing. But God wants us to focus first on who we are. And if we get the who right, then doing the right thing will follow. If we get the who right, then what we need to do will become clear for us. If we become the right person, we'll do the right things. So who are we? Well, we are God's children. We're created in God's image. And as children of God, we were created to live in a specific way, a way that God laid out for us in his word and the way God showed us in the life of Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, God's will for you is to be holy. So God wants us to be holy, but that doesn't mean perfect. It means different. It means set apart. 
Being holy means we follow a different set of values from the world around us. We, set, we follow a, a different set of priorities. God's word uh, instructs us. And according to what we see in Jesus Christ, we try to live out. Being holy means growing every day to be more and more like Jesus. Jesus didn't give his followers a set of rules to follow. Uh, He wasn't about specific do's and don'ts for uh, his followers. He was all about growing us in character. He was concerned about who people became. And the question for us today is this. Are we growing to be more and more like Jesus? Are we growing in love? Are we being forgiving and humble? The the only thing Jesus asked people to do all of his time here on earth, the only thing he asked them to do was to follow him. Follow me was the constant call of Jesus. And it was going to be in following Jesus that people would then know what to do. So the first principle, who before do, Who does God want us to become? This is so much more important than asking, what does God want me to do with my life? And if we would just spend a little more time answering that question, the rest of our life would begin to fall into place. And notice I said become because we never fully arrive. We grow in holiness as we follow Jesus. This implies a process, it's a journey. It's a lifestyle that we enter into. It's a pathway that we walk all of our life. God cares more about who you are than what you do. The second key principle is this. God is more concerned about our heart than he is about our actions. In other words, we need to ask why before what. What's our motivation in life? Why do we do the things that we do? Jesus was always more concerned about our heart than he was our deeds. If you remember King David's dangerous prayer in Psalm 139, it was all about asking God to search his heart. It says, O Lord, you have examined my heart, and you know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. Search me, O God. Know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me in the path of everlasting life. Now, at the end of this prayer, David asked God to help us come to terms with the why, the motivations of our heart, and then he asked God to lead us in the what and the how and the when. The why is so important. It's the motivation behind everything we do. 
It says in Proverbs 16 too, people may be pure in their own eyes, but the Lord examines their motives. All of our ways may seem innocent in our own eyes, but our motives, our motives are weighed by the Lord. God is more concerned about our motives because if we have the right motives, most of the time we're gonna end up in the right place. That doesn't mean we'll always make the right choices. It doesn't mean everything will work out according to our plan, but we will always be in the right place because we'll be in a right relationship with God. And that needs to be the primary motive of our lives, to be in a right relationship with Jesus Christ. In Colossians 3.17, the Apostle Paul writes, and whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. And what I love about that verse is that it doesn't necessarily tell us to stop doing what we're doing or start doing new things. We just have to do everything for the right reason, for the glory of God. We don't necessarily have to quit our jobs or end our, our relationship or get off the team or drop out of school. We just have to start doing all of it for God and trust that God will give us the direction we need for the future. If our motives are right and we're doing things for God, then the countless daily decisions that we have to make every single day will lead us to where God wants us to be in life. Knowing what God wanted me to do with my life was never a huge challenge. From the time I was young, I knew that I would spend my life in some type of full-time Christian ministry. I tried a couple of other things. I tried teaching, high school. I even took the initial exam for the Pennsylvania State Police. But in time, God made it clear to me that I needed to go back to seminary and prepare for ministry in the local church. It's important for us to focus on who before do and why before what. Even knowing that, I still struggle with direction and decisions over the years. I've come down, uh, I, it, I came down to the last two or three months before graduating from seminary. I had no job in the future. The future was uncertain. You see, Jan and I left the church, the denomination we grew up in, in Western Pennsylvania. We became United Methodists while we were in college and seminary, so that left us unattached to any annual conference of the United Methodist Church. So we began applying to annual conferences across the country. But through that process in the last few months, even before graduation and needing a place to serve, there was a sense of peace that God gave us during that spring that he would provide for us. And the peace was, that we experienced in that season of our life, I think has laid a foundation for many other times throughout our life. But God led us through a very weird set of circumstances to a place called the state of Michigan and to the town of St. John's where we began in 1978 to do ministry. But here's my point. Before we can start looking at the specific decisions that we have in front of us, even today, we need to focus on who we are and why we do what we do. I want you to think for a moment about some of the most influential people who have been in your life over the years. People who have made the greatest impact on your life. And my guess is that what many of those people have in common 
is that it wasn't what they did that really mattered or made the difference. It was who they were. It was their character. It was their warmth. It was their attention. It was the time they took to connect with you. My great-grandmother on my mother's side was one of those influential people in our family who prayed that God would use the people in her family for generations to come in some type of full-time Christian ministry, and that's where a lot of us ended up. My mother especially was a strong spiritual influence in the lives of my brothers and I growing up, and somehow we all ended up as pastors in local churches. But my life was also shaped by Don and Ruth Kennedy, my youth leaders growing up, by Ed Badger, my eighth grade history teacher, by Harry Zaraski, my high school principal. I'm in the United Methodist Church today because of Dr. David Siemens, who was our pastor in Kentucky, and Dr. Ken Kinghorn, who was one of my professors. See, the impact that each of these people made in my life came from who they were and why they lived the way they acted. They lived the way they did because of the Spirit of Christ in them. And I promise you that most of us will not get to the end of our life and want to be surrounded by all the stuff that we have accumulated over the years. Most of us aren't going to be thinking in those final moments of our life about our jobs or our promotions or our awards. At the end of our life, we are going to want to be surrounded by the people we love. At the end of his life, Jesus was focused on the people he loved, his family. He looked down from the cross, we are told, and saw his mother Mary and and John there, and he cared so much for these two people that he asked them to take care of each other, to love one another. And that's who Jesus was. He always wanted those around him to be family and to love each other. And Jesus wants us to be connected to each other to serve others as we grow in our faith and in our love. Know who you are and why you do what you do and then let God provide the direction for your life. To build a foundation from which we can see and trust God's direction in our life, we need to focus on who before do and why before what. Because becoming the right person will help us to do the right thing. Being driven by the right motivation will lead us to the right places in life. So if we wanna know God's will for our lives, if we want God's direction in this new year ahead, this is where it all starts. Pray with me, will you? Lord, you promised that when we seek you with our whole heart, we will find you. We seek only after you today, so calm our troubled hearts, our wayward minds as we begin this new year and all the stuff that fills the space in our life so that we can seek after you. Today we give you all the anxieties and the fears that we're feeling inside. We release them to you. Write your words of inspiration and direction on our hearts. We're waiting for your voice. Help us to listen and help us to respond to your direction. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.